Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories Edition. My name is Rachel Laurie Harris. I'm a professional dog trainer, and I'm also the proud owner of an American Staffordshire Terrier that we lovingly call Waylon. In this series, Pitbull Stories, I talk with pitbull owners all over the world, and we share our stories about pitbulls, how we got into pitbulls, how we love pitbulls, what we've learned from them, and how we're advocating for the breed now. I'm really looking forward to sharing these stories and if you'd like to be a part of this series please follow us over on the instagram at a good feeling underscore nco send me a dm i would love to chat and hear your pitbull story enjoy all right you guys you know how much i love vet cs cbd products for my dogs great news they make cbd products for humans I got the orange flavored uh, dropper and I put it in my Lady Grey lattes and it is so freaking delightful. So you can get CBD for your dog. You can get CBD for you. Check out VetCS.com and you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your purchase. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the, pa- the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories. So guys, this project has been so incredibly fun and it's been a total pleasure to connect with so many amazing um, dog owners, but blocky headed owners in particular. So um, Ali, I'd love for you just to introduce yourself to my listeners. And then if you want to tell us about your blocky headed dog and we can kind of dive in. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having us. Uh, I say us because it's it's me. My name's Allie, but mostly this is about my dog Paisley, um, who's laying on my keyboard right now. So yeah, Paisley is about five years old, but uh, I found her as a stray. So I feel like when you bring in a stray dog and they're not old and they're not a puppy, they say they're three. Yeah. So she's somewhere around five. Um, and yeah, she kind of just fell into my life and it's been the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I volunteered at a dog rescue and one day I had taken the day off just because I, you know, anxiety and all that and dogs are really good for helping anxiety. So I took the day off because I wanted to go hang out with some dogs and I showed up in the morning and she had been dumped uh, over the fence at the rescue overnight. And yeah, she's been my dog ever since, basically. I mean, there were some challenges uh, partially related to finding uh, fully friendly housing and, and all that stuff. But yeah, she's she's the only bully breed I've ever had. And because of her, I'll never have another type of dog. She's she's oh my. My, my perfect dog. Right. Okay. So So you met her the first day she was dropped at the shelter? Yeah, she literally had been like dumped there overnight, which people do a lot. And I I don't know where she was before that. Like maybe somebody found her as a stray and didn't know what to do. Um, It's also an area uh, with a lot of people who are marginalized and disenfranchised in a lot of ways and having a dog can be expensive. And I found out later down the line that she had all sorts of cancer and that's so who knows. But uh, yeah, she was dumped there and I was like, this one's mine. I'm taking it. (laughs) So did you just see her like and you were like, this is it? Or did you hang out with her? Like, tell us how that played out. Um. Yeah, so it was like this total frenzied first meeting because I like 
open the door of the rescue to like bring her in with me. And then one of the, we had a senior German shepherd who was really good at opening doorknobs and nobody had locked his door. So he was like out in the lobby and Paisley was like really stressed. But her version of being stressed is just like, I love you so much. And just like jumping up a lot and like licking my face. And then the dog was out and like things were a mess and he had peed everywhere. And I was like, it was just, uh, it was hectic. And then I was like also trying to text the the rescue owner to be like, what do we do? Because at that point I didn't really know the process for like going to the municipal shelter for the stray hold and all of that. Um, but I was like, I'll take her, like I'll be in charge of her. I, Cause at that point I didn't really know that I could adopt her cause I was living somewhere where I couldn't. And I don't know if you've, you know, you've had dogs for a while, but if you're at that point where you're like, I can have a dog. Like, am I enough of an adult to do that? <laughs> and right, you, like, really you question that. You're like, wait, I could, oh my God, I could totally do this. <laughs> yeah. It was a realization like, oh, I could put in some work and then this could be my dog. Um, yeah. So I had to take her to the local animal shelter for like the stray hold. And then she was there for a week. And while she was there, she contracted camel cough and it turned into pneumonia. And then she was in the hospital for a week and it was this whole, whole tale. Um, but yeah, I knew from basically the moment I met her that she was supposed to be mine. I mean, look at this. Oh my God. <laughs> She's the sweetest. She's the down. sweetest. <laughs> yeah. So did you have any reservations about like bringing her into your life? Like knowing like how she presented, right? Like as a blocky headed dog. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I mean, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and housing is notoriously hard to come by here, especially if you have a dog, especially if it's a dog like over 25 pounds, and then especially if it's like a quote-unquote aggressive breed. So I knew that would be a challenge. Um, but I like to do things that people tell me not to do. <laughs> I feel you, girl. I feel you on yeah. that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, a challenge accepted. <laughs> Right. And like, I feel like that was like, you know, when I first found Sonny in the shelter, like I wasn't really concerned with his breed, but like after I brought him home, like I felt even more of like an innate, like, yep, this was meant to be, I want to do it. Like, I feel you, right? Like I wanted to be like, oh, pipples are aggressive. You just wait, right? Me and Sonny are going to show you, right? It's like, it's just like, it's just fuel, right? So it's like, we can do this together. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, uh, we could talk about this more in a little bit, but originally like my, like one, one reason that I was so excited to have Paisley and be her person and kind of show her off to people is because like, she is uh, not prone to aggression or reactivity and she's really good with strangers and she's just really calm and presents really well. So I was like, I want to show people that this is what pit bulls are like. Um, now I think, you know, slightly differently on that subject. Um, but yeah, I just, but, but still it's, it's such a benefit when people might be afraid of a dog like her. And then she kind of just like wanders over and tries to sniff their pockets and it's really sweet. Then it's like, that could change somebody's opinion or, you know, start to push them in that direction. And that feels really special. Absolutely. So how did your family receive her? I have a really great mom who I would not have been able to adopt Paisley without her and she lives nearby and so she had Paisley at her house for a little bit before I moved and before Paisley got sick because she was fostering a dog um but yeah so she my mom had reserve not reservations but she was definitely nervous because she's never really interacted with a 
many big dogs in general, especially not bully breeds, but um, I'm really lucky to have her because she trusted me and she saw the way Paisley and I work together and she's like, yeah, this is your dog. You know, this is my grand dog. <laughs> um, yes. Oh my God, dude. Mom supporting yes. mom, grandmoms, right? Supporting newly rescued black-headed sure. dogs. What a beautiful thing. That's so cool. And it, like, I think everyone listening knows this, right? Like it takes a village to own and raise a dog. It really does, mm -hmm. right? Oh, like for sure. you need support from the people in your lives to make it possible. So how did you feel like initially, like as far as like your community receiving her, like when you were out in the world with her, like, did you feel mm -hmm. like you got negative attention? I think that I had rose colored glasses on for like a long time and I don't remember anything standing out as far as like feeling that negative attention and I wonder if any of it has to do with like yeah Paisley's really blacky headed but she's also like light colored and has a cute pink nose and I I mean t I don't know if that sways anybody's perception of her um but uh I've, I've definitely had people like cross the streets and you know people pick up their little dogs and uh, that sort of thing but I think I am just kind of a fuck the haters type person and like if you don't want to have a conversation about it then like you know you can leave you're not worth my time <laughs> no no because it was yeah. like it, everything is about paisley now and and nobody else really matters oh my god i love that well <laughs> and i feel like being in the bay area do you feel like it's a little bit more progressive as far as like the community's perception of blocky headed dogs yes and no um I mean, the Bay Area, I've only lived here for a couple of years, so I feel like I can't really speak to, to more than my personal experience, but there's a lot of like wage disparity and uh, just, you know, walking down the street, you're going to kind of go through different socioeconomic classes, just like walking down the street and a lot of things are really divided. And so like there's places in San Francisco that are like the quote unquote doodle neighborhoods where everybody has like their, their yeah. fancy breeder dog. Um, and then but also a lot of my neighbors have pit bulls and rescue dogs. And I feel like the rescue culture is also really strong here, which that coincides really heavily with the blocky headed dog culture. Uh, and there's that breed specific rescue bad rap around here. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I have some things to say about them in general and I won't, um, but they have <laughs> done a lot to help people keep their housing when they have bully breeds and, and that, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, progressive in some ways, but then also like you go to the dog parks and it's just like a bunch of doodles and small dogs and, you know, you just feel a little bit out, out there. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, I want to hear your perspective on this. So like, what was your experience with training prior to Paisley? And like, what did you learn about training through Paisley? It's a good question. Yeah. So I had like, a, a little bit of a professional introduction to training. So I used to work at a zoo, um, but that was really one of my first experiences working with animals. Um, and it was a, a AZA certified zoo. So they were, you know, up to date on scientific practices. Although there was a lot of like restraint and things like that, but um, everything was supposed to be positive reinforcement. Uh, they didn't really phrase it that way because I mean, there are, are hardly any like actual zoos and accredited facilities with exotics that will use any type of punishment. So I feel like with dogs, there's so much more of a juxtaposition of the different types of training. Um, but like I read, you know, they had me read Don't Shoot the Dog by Karen Pryor. Um, so that was... So I guess that was a great way for me to start off because it was like, this is the only 
only thing you do, you know? It wasn't like you can choose to punish or not. So that, I feel really lucky to have had that start. Um, And then with Paisley, uh, putting a prong collar or, uh, you know, using any kind of punishment or even saying no to her, like, really never really crossed my mind. Um, And not that, you know, I, I don't think that people that use those tools necessarily don't love their dogs. Like, in fact, I'm sure that they do love their dogs. There's just, you know, the education aspect to it. But for her, I was like, hell no, I am not like this dog does not need that. And I will never do that to her. And I'm really lucky to have started off that way. Yeah, I'm super spoiled in that way too, right? That like my background really was rooted in positive reinforcement. Like I never, (laughs) like it really wasn't like an option. I mean, it could have been, but I didn't make it one, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, like this is my child. Like I would never, right? right? Like I would never do that. But punishment is so ingrained in our culture. I mean, even with actual, you know, children, there's so much like, oh, they have to learn what's right, wrong before they can learn what's right and, and that sort of thing. But um yeah, and especially with a, a blocky-headed dog, like, the last thing the world needs to see is another pit bull with a prong collar on, um, you know, it just doesn't look, it doesn't look pleasant, it looks like they're super strong, or like they need, you know, prongs poking into their necks to control them, um, which they, obviously, they don't. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think we run the risk of further perpetuating the already ingrained stigmas around our blocky Absolutely. Right. Because then people believe like, oh yeah, those pit bulls, you got to use those tools. You can't control them. Right. And that's that's such a fallacy. And I I love you bring, I love that you bring this up. So those of you listening can't see, but I am wearing my wolf culture. um, No breed needs a heavier hand shirt right now. And it's so applicable, right. To blocky headed dogs because they fall victim to so much punitive training just based on their look. So I just, I love hearing your perspective on this, right. That like, it, it was never like that. Right. It was always like, oh no, positive reinforcement, least intrusive, minimally aversive all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I uh, am friends with this uh, dog trainer on Facebook. You know, I say that in quotes because she's, yeah. she has no credentials. She's been doing this shit for like 30 years and she's just uh, straight up abusive, but she has a huge following around here. And I stayed friends with her on, on Facebook just because I, you know, I want to watch the train crash basically, but she'll post all these things about like her new pit bull clients and about how these breeds have such strong drives and they're so, you know, they're so prey focused and you have to, you know, really get through to them with harsh corrections. And it's just, that's so fucking untrue. Yeah. I think yeah. if you can make safely make kind of any generalization, which I mean, I, you can't, but I find them to be really sensitive in, in a lot of ways. And just, that just seems so off to me. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think that they deserve to be treated as the emotional complex individuals yes. that they are, right? Like, it's not about like, oh, they're a blocky headed dog and we have to do X, Y, or Z. And like, for, for those sure. of you listening, like a huge motivator for me in starting this series was like this very thing, right? Like seeing owners of dogs who have blocky, you know, blocky heads, they're quote unquote pit bulls. Maybe they are like American Tapture Par- Terriers, American Pit Bull Terriers, but they think that they have to do more with their dogs. They have to punish their dog more because the community is watching. And I just yeah. want to empower you all to know, right, that like, that's not the truth. It's not, a, it's not about that, right? It's about you and your individual, individual dog's journey. So yeah. um, I think that I'd love to hear your perspective on like, are blocky headed dogs being breed ambassadors, right? Like, how do you yeah. feel about that? Yeah, I, 
if you talked to me like six months or a year ago, my answer would have been really different because I got really lucky with Paisley and that we haven't had to work through any major behavior, uh, behavioral issues. I've never had people like accuse me for being aggressive or anything like that. Um, so I would have been like in the camp, like land seal velvet hippo thing, which like honestly makes me cringe a little bit now because I mean like you can see Paisley right now like she's flapped over in her back and like her lips are hanging open and she like totally looks like a beached whale and she's super sweet and like you know but I don't think any dog has to be like that and certainly not a whole category of dogs that isn't even one breed but I would have been the type of person that was like these dogs are squishy and perfect and cuddly and you know just so sweet and they're the you know the world's best dogs and uh, some of that is true for some of them but I don't think either polarization of like these dogs are harmless nanny dogs or these dogs are you know vicious fighters I don't think either of those are helpful because like you were saying, it's about the individual. Yeah. And if you have a dog that is reactive or has any other number of behavioral issues, that doesn't mean that they like were not raised right, which that's one thing that makes me cringe a lot now too. And people say that uh, with good intentions for sure. Like if people meet Paisley and they're like, oh, you know, it's all in how they're raised. It's like, I didn't raise her. I have no idea who raised her. And like, that's hurtful to somebody that it has a a dog that maybe have those issues for any number of reasons and to feel like it's their fault because they weren't raised right. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's a really common thing like thrown around and like the pit bulls are like mushy, lovable animals. And like they are in so many ways, but also I think that that runs the risk of shaming people who own pit bull type dogs who are not that. You know what I mean? Who are not like just lovable, lovable, squishy and great with everyone and everything. And, and I completely agree, right? I think that expecting all of us to make our quote unquote, make our blacky headed dogs breed ambassadors. I think that that propels like more, more falsities around our breeds, right? Like your blocky headed dog doesn't have to be a breed ambassador. But that doesn't mean that you can't love them and lead by example in your own way by meeting their individual needs and keeping them safe. Exactly. I think that's the the breed ambassador part that we should be striving for is how we treat them. Um, uh, like, I'm thinking about Waylon and how my perception of him is so different from my perception of Paisley because he seems, I mean, first of all, he seems way more like athletic and energetic and <laughs> you've had to work on a lot of things with him from what I can tell. and. Paisley is like extremely different from that, from what I can tell too. And you know, why, why is that? I mean, I think they're similar. I, I assume Paisley has some ma'am staff in her, um, but I don't really know where I'm going with that, except there's, there's such a spectrum and so many different things that influence behavior and behavior itself is fluid too. So there's really no way we can make those generalizations. Yeah, no. And you're absolutely right. And like, are your individual experience with Paisley and my individual experience with Waylon and all the blocky headed dogs that came before him is so different. It's all individual, right? And like, you know, Amstaffs have like a general temperament, right? Like right. we have to do that. We have to do generalizations. But, you know, in my experience, Waylon is a, a purebred American Staffordshire Terrier has been much more of a handful and as far as like, the keeping him reined in what I need to and training and stuff like that, then like, 
you know, I think about Sonny, who was a, a pit bull, right? Like I'm comfortable with that label. I know a lot of people aren't, but he was a mixed breed dog and he presented as blocky headed and he was really freaking easy in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like he never yeah. presented the same challenges as Waylon. So I think that it, it really speaks to, again, what we're circling back to is that they're all freaking individuals, right? Like, mm -hmm. But I think as a community, I think we can support each other and help us all recognize that like, okay, I have a blocky headed dog that loves dogs. You have a blocky headed dog who, um, well, I know Paisley is really good with dogs in general, <laughs> right? But Tolerant, you know, yeah. maybe those of you listening have a blocky headed dog that isn't good with other dogs. That is still okay. You know what right. I mean? Like we're all still part of this community. And, and I think that back to the breed ambassador thing, I think you're exactly right. We should be ambassadors. We are the ambassadors yes. for kindness and love to our individual dogs. Right. Yeah. I forgot. That's where I was going with that. It's like your experience with Waylon and my experience with Paisley are similar in the aspects that we treat them as individuals and we meet their needs and we acknowledge where they can and maybe are less likely to succeed and, you know, set them up for success. And yeah, if you have a dog that's reactive or doesn't like strangers or, you know, any of those things, that's okay. As long as you're acknowledging that and helping them to feel better. Yeah, absolutely. So um, can you tell some of my listeners some of your favorite educational resources as it pertains to blocky-headed dogs in particular, like books, blogs, Instagram accounts? Like, where did you go when you wanted to learn more? Yeah, I think, I mean, I want to read that Bronwyn Dickey book really badly, and I just keep not doing it because I keep getting distracted by crime novels. But uh, well, um, she's referring to a book called... Yeah. Um, Pitbull, The Battle Over an American Icon, which is by Brown Dickey. It's an amazing book. But anyways. Mm -hmm. um, I think Instagram is probably the first place I went just because it's so accessible and addictive yeah. and, and all that stuff. And great in a lot of ways, too, for finding community. Um, yeah, so I originally started just following like a bunch of Pitbull accounts. And now I'm like way more particular about who I will follow. Not that I'm like, you know, an asshole or anything, but I'm not going to follow anybody that doesn't use positive reinforcement. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the community where I find myself more aligned now. And because to me, it isn't really about having a Pitbull. Although, you know, if I'm going to tell somebody my favorite breed, I'll say Pitbull. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, the one account that comes to mind is Peter Pity, which it makes me really sad to think about it because he was re recently uh, euthanized. But that account meant so much to me, um, especially in this more nuanced view of what does it mean to have a pit bull because he had serious behavioral challenges and he did not have to be anybody's breed ambassador. He did not have to be, you know, a, a super friendly, lovable dog for anybody because he just that's just not the dog that he was. And that was fucking fine because he had a great owner who who did everything right by him and advocated for him as an individual. And uh, that that's the kind of thing that really resonates with me and makes me want to do more for Paisley and for, you know, other dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And like, um, shout out to Peter. Yeah. Pretty sweet boy. Right. But, and I agree, right. Like I, I share that love for that account too, but I think mm -hmm. that it's, I think to go back to what you're saying about like finding community, like I think that, the Instagram community of blocky head owners is so beautiful and brilliant. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I respect so much like how people show up every day on that platform to continue to educate people, because yes. I don't know if you, if you feel like this, Allie, but um, I feel like once 
after I, I brought Sunny into my life, I feel like now I will be an ambassador for the breed for forever. Right. Oh, yeah. Like I will never stop ad, ad, advocating for the Absolutely. breed. Because, right. It's like you just, you get into this club that you never knew you were going to join because mm-hmm. you adopted this dog. Right. Do you feel like that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I will never have any other type of dog. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but you know, always alongside one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a club for life for sure. Oh my God. It is. I'm so, so grateful to be part of this club with you. So I want to kind of wrap it up and I want to hear from you. What is one pitbull myth that you really wish would just die already? <sighs> I mean, I kind of already talked about the, the other side of the fence. I guess it's the nanny dog thing that really drives me crazy. And that's one of the main reasons I want to read the, the Bronwyn Dickey book is because I'm sure she talks about that. But who the fuck leaves a baby and a dog alone together? <laughs> like, why does that myth need to exist? Just don't do it. Wait, first of all, like, can your dog feed a baby? Like, can, can they clean up their vomit? No, then why are you leaving them together? It's just, it's just hire a real nanny. <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, and I feel like people mean well when they say it, but I agree, right? Like, I think that um, for those of you listening, right? Like, we love our blocky-headed dogs. We know how brilliant they are, but we're still never setting them up in a situation where they're alone with a baby or a child or a toddler, right? Like, that's that's just irresponsible pet ownership. And yes, right? Like, in in the book we're talking about, she dives super deep into that, right? And and I find it, I found it to be really refreshing um not only just evidence-based right like Mm -hmm. she's very real and and methodical about her research but it's also like you know our blockhead dogs don't need to be nanny dogs we have we can pay people right like real people (laughs) dogs don't have to be yeah for sure and it sets them up for failure you know it's similar to how talking about them all dogs being Oh, that's the other thing I, I really don't like is when like a dog comes into a rescue and they're a pit bull type dog that has cropped ears or like maybe some scars. It's just, oh, they were a bait dog. Like, that's not helpful either because that's the, you're still associating them without violence. And I feel like that's the nanny dog thing too, is just the scramble to get all the way to the other side of like, oh, they're not fighter dogs. They're like perfect sweet angels that can babysit for you. I just, I just feel like that misses the point of like, they're just dogs. Yes, right. Like that stark contrast, right? Of like, oh, they must have been used as bait dogs. So, mm-hmm. um, guys, I think that I want to just I want to just plug in educational resource really quickly because I think it's really relevant. So, my friend Chantal runs Justice for Bullies, which is a nonprofit yes. based in Canada, but That's she does a do. lot of she does a lot of posts about this, right? How it's very very rare that any of our blacky-headed dogs were actually used as bait dogs, and we can move yeah. the conversation now. It's not about that, right? Sure. Like maybe they have wounds. Yeah. Maybe they ran into a fence, right? Maybe they got them from somewhere else, right? Like it's not about that. Right. And I don't think that, that carrying those burdens, that baggage of like what maybe happened before, I don't think that that's productive, right? Because we have the dog in front of us now. Let's focus on that and what we can do going forward. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So um, if people want to connect with you, tell us how they can find you. Oh, I'm on Instagram all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, our handle is only Paisley and there's an underscore between the two words. Amazing. Yeah, and guys, we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes so they can find you. Um, I just, I, I adore you guys and I have so much respect thank for you. how you show up in the world and how you show up for Paisley. So from one blocky headed owner to another, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks, Rachel. That was a lot of fun. Nice to yeah. talk to you. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the episodes in this series. 
Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co. You can also find us on Facebook at a good feeling dog training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com.